Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to College Basketball Breakdown. It has been a minute since I've been on here, and we have a lot to catch up about. It's been about three weeks. I've had AP test, graduation, a lot going on, everything that everything that happens with senior year, but we're over. We're, we're done with that now, and we are free. A lot of things do need to be updated, uh, including the man himself, Hunter Dickinson, committed to the Kansas Jayhawks. This rockets the Jayhawks into title contention for next year. Uh, We're going to talk about the world of transfers. A lot of transfer news happened since sometime in April when I was on here last. A lot of transfer news, and we are going to round it out with a much updated way too early top 10 and breakdown of each team and why they are there. And then may even talk about the combine a little bit that's starting in about an hour from recording. They're going to start getting measurements of players, all of the people that were invited, all the players that were invited to the combine. The G League combine finished up yesterday. There are a few people that got called up, including Serge Abari Rice, called up from the G League combine to the NBA combine. They will be lucky enough to compete there. I saw that Marquise Noel did not get a combine invite, which was a little sad, but he'll find he'll find his niche somewhere. Like I said, I'm sorry I've not been on here in a while, but we are free now. We will get the episodes up as much as I can. Again, as I said in episode one, I think uh, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna get episodes up a bunch during the actual season, but there's just not that much going on right now except for the world transfers and with the draft coming up, that'll be a lot to talk about. An excuse for me to get on here and start talking about college basketball and how it's gonna affect the NBA next year. So excited for excited to see how all the draft stuff pans out, lottery and combiner this week it's a big big week for college and nba basketball the rookie class of next year but let's get back into college basketball starting out with the impact transfers from these past three weeks or so start out with former kentucky guard cj frederick entered the transfer portal and now is committed to cincinnati he was hounded by injuries this year he was playing with like a broken rib or something at some point in the sec tournament uh his numbers his numbers were not great at all this year. He transferred in from Iowa. He's been at Kentucky for two years, this is his second year. Transferred in from Iowa. He shot near 50% from three at Iowa. And this year that took an almost it took a precipitous fall. He only shot 31.8% from three this year. He was brought in to be a shooter. If you're shooting 48% at Iowa from three, John Calipari comes to you, he's like, hey, can I can I get you on my team to be a shooter? You come in, shoot 31.8. He's going to ask you to leave. They have a Kentucky's got an extremely impressive freshman class, which everybody knows about. A lot of five stars. I they they don't have room for Frederick on the team anymore. Hopefully he can turn it back around at Cincinnati, go back to his old ways. Uh, yeah, but like I said, he only shot 31.8 from three this year. He ended up not being a good fit. I do predict that he will be better off at Cincinnati, barring more injuries. So good luck to him. He's up. Obviously a good talent. You just gotta put it all together, hit some threes. That would help. That'd be helpful. Staying in the SEC, seven foot Sean Phillips transferred out of LSU and is going to Arizona State. Usually, normally I would not. This is kind of a low profile commitment because he averaged about three, two, and maybe a block. But he he didn't play that much for LSU this year. But at the end of the year, in the first game of the SEC tournament that LSU had, they won, and it was in no small part due to Sean Phillips. I watched that game. He had 13 points, 10 boards, two blocks, and 
I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they use his full potential at Arizona State if they choose to play him a lot. Moving on, guard Hunter Salas transfers from Gonzaga to Wake Forest. We know Gonzaga has a good class coming in of transfers and high school recruits. I This is a great move from Salas. He goes from Gonzaga to Wake Forest. Uh, Salas is a former five-star, and I love this fit because Wake Forest has an amazing track record of grabbing underperforming guards from high major programs and turning them into NBA. NBA prospects. Uh, I think about Tyree Appleby, who was at Florida. He went, his numbers went from 10 points, three assists to Florida. So he wasn't, he wasn't really underperforming. He just wasn't a star, but Wake Forest took him and turned him into an all ACC caliber player. This year he averaged 19, six and four. And uh, Wake is looking to make Salas their next similar transformation. And I think he's got, obviously he's, he's got potential. He's a former five-star. They don't just throw five-star around. Not all five-stars pan out, but I'm excited to see how Salas can do here. And Wake does have a good track record of doing this and turning guards into NBA prospects. Next, West Virginia adds another big-time transfer. They were already number one in transfer portal rankings, and now they've added Raekwon Battle, a six-foot-five scoring guard. He was the highest scorer from a Montana State team that made the tournament. Pure scorer, averaging 18 three rebounds and one assist. So he's he's out there to score. But to be a player in Bob Huggins' system, he's going to have to improve the ball movement and defense. Nevertheless, this is another great add to a team that already went and grabbed Kirk Risa from Arizona and Jesse Edwards, a high-performing big from Syracuse. They are obviously building for next season. Next, we have Severe Wheeler, who was at Kentucky this year. He played a lot more games than I thought he did, but uh, he he was kind of underperforming as in comparison to what he had been doing at Kentucky. He's going from Kentucky to Washington, yet another Kentucky guard whose season was wiped away by injuries, him and Frederick. He originally did transfer from Georgia to Kentucky, and he made a huge difference in his first year, averaging 10.7 assists and three boards. He is He's a pretty good player, but the biggest knock on him is his outside shot. His outside shot could most definitely use some work. He shot sub 32% every year, except for this one, so I, I guess he's getting a little better. But at 5'9", he's an exceptional playmaker, exceptional passer, but leaves a little bit to be desired in the scoring game. His best points per game was 10. Uh, he's going to join another Kentucky, another former Kentucky player, his former teammate, actually, Keon Brooks at UW, going to the University of Washington up in the Pac-12. That's going to be a little different, just a little different than the SEC. But he has he has potential. He's a great playmaker. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a smart basketball mind. He just needs to get his scoring up a little bit. But Keon Brooks and Severe are going to be a good, good duo up there at UW. I saw a lot of people saying that he was going to commit back to Georgia because he did go on a visit there. It was it was seeming kind of likely, and Washington kind of came out of nowhere, but he is indeed going to Washington. Switching over to the Big Ten, Puff Johnson transfers from UNC to Penn State. The numbers are a little underestimating, but you don't have you don't have Puff Johnson on your team for scoring, unlike his brother. His brother, obviously, Cam Johnson, played on the Suns. He's a great shooter, great scorer. Uh, like I said, the numbers are a little underwhelming, but he's on the squad for hustle plays, just playing as hard as as hard as you possibly can. I remember watching him in the 2022 Final Four game in the two games that UNC played. He was playing so hard that he threw up, went out for a minute, and then came back playing just as hard. That's the kind of championship DNA you need on your team, although they did not win the championship. He, he just came back playing just as hard. Yeah, that's 
kind of kid you want on your team. If he can tap into his scoring potential, he can make a huge impact on his new Penn State team, in which he's going to be in more of a featured role than he would have been on UNC last year or this year, with even more talent coming in there. Penn State is more his speed. We can, we're about to see what he can really do scoring-wise, and he's you know he's going to bring the energy. All right, one of the most interesting prospects in the transfer portal is seven foot four Jamarion Sharp, standing at only seven foot four he transfers from west kentucky to ole miss and chris beard is just loading up on talent <laughs> ole miss anybody saying ole miss is not going to be a threat to at least derail some team seasons next year is just wrong uh this is a great get for beard who like i said is sneakily building a decent team in oxford sharp's offensive game could use a little work but that's not why he's being brought in if you look at his stats one thing just absolutely floors you 4.1 blocks a game four that's four four blocks a game he's he's just a seven foot four center who can anticipate anything being put up in the lane and you never say no to somebody averaging 4.1 blocks a game he averaged about seven points and four blocks a game he is the two-time cusa defensive player of the year and i would hope he's getting defensive player of the year after averaging four blocks a game all i can say about that is chris beard got himself a rim protector and he got a, he got himself another good big in the transfer portal just yesterday with Musa Sise from Oklahoma State. Chris Beard, man, you got to keep an eye on this team next year. Switching over to a very highly anticipated signing, Max A. Smith of Oral Roberts has been one of the best scorers in college basketball, averaging 22 points, four rebounds, four assists last year. 22 points was a down. 22 points a game was a down year for him. This was his worst scoring year at 22 points per game. But uh, he's transferring out of Oral Roberts and going to Texas. Texas also got news of Kadeen Caden. I've heard it said both ways. Kadeen Caden. Caden Shedrick from Virginia, who obviously has a he has potential. And the return of Dylan DeSue. Although Arterio Morris left, who he was a former five star McDonald's. Donald's All-American. Although he left, they he had potential. He didn't really show it, and he's going to Kansas. But we'll we'll talk about Kansas later. I think that's a good get for Kansas. Outside of all of that, they have they've got Ace Miss coming in now. Caden Caden Shedrick, Dylan DeSue back. Texas is reloading for next year, and Ace Miss is a great get. However, we do have drama in Austin after the Max Ace Miss commitment. I doubt these are related in any way. But after the commitment, a top three five star in the class of 2023, Ron Holland decommitted from texas this is bad news for texas who was trying to reload and they were doing a pretty good job i like i like that desu coming back especially he had 32 points in a march madness game this year but the ron holland decommitment was completely unforeseen not good for the longhorns at all uh ron holland is an uber athletic forward forward with amazing defensive capabilities and he will make an absolute splash on whatever team he decides to go to uh people are saying he might go to arkansas the other school that recruited him just as hard as texas was indeed arkansas and he's been working out with jordan walsh recently seen that on instagram and he was teammates with uh now nba prospect anthony black when he was at duncanville high school although both of these arkansas players are gonna be in the nba draft uh the tampering is still active personally 
personally, I think that he's going to go to the G League because requesting a release from the NLI at this stage, at this late stage, it'd just be kind of unheard of and just a little weird to leave. He stayed, he even stayed, after the whole Chris Beard thing, he reopened his recruitment and came back to Texas. So he was fine with Rodney Terry. I think he sees an opportunity in G League Ignite, another professional league that he can make a difference in, make more money in maybe than even the NLI in college could offer. NIL, not NLI. He's trying to get released from the NLI, and it's not happening. So that's why nothing's been moving so far. I I just don't see him committing to another school after decommitting this late. All that said, this is very bad for the Texas Longhorns, and I believe he's going to go the G League Ignite route. But let's go back to Oral Roberts for a second. Oral Roberts was a little bit of a two-man team last year. Two people got, two players got the publicity the most. It was Max Asmus, who's now going to Texas, and Connor Vanover, who entered the transfer portal while also exploring the NBA draft. There's no way that he's going to get drafted, but the potential is it's crazy. He's a seven foot five center, skinny as a twig. He's a stretch big that also holds down the paint very well. This year he averaged twelve point seven boards, three blocks for Oral Roberts. He was previously an underperforming big at Arkansas and transferred just last year to Oral Roberts, and his numbers did take a massive jump. He was at Arkansas for two years before transferring, and Oral Roberts was the right route for him. It's going to get his confidence up and let him play well enough to put his name in the NBA draft waters, even though he doesn't have a chance of getting drafted. But he is in the transfer portal, and he is going to be a name to keep an eye on from here on out. In other news, Kansas State got their Marquise Noel replacement. Point guard Tyler Perry from North Texas averaged 17 a game while shooting 41% from three. Comparatively, Marquise Noel shot about 35% from three, and he was one of the best shooters in the game. He was getting Steph Curry comparisons. He was doing things that nobody had done in a really long time. Perry's another undersized guard who can just shoot the absolute cover off the ball. I'm not saying he's gonna be he's I'm not saying he's gonna be Marquise Noel, just come in and replace come and replace everything he did. Uh, For example, Perry only averaged two assists a game, while Marquise had a 20-point and 19-assist game in the tournament. I don't don't think Tyler Perry's going to be putting up that numbers, but I can see him putting up the scoring numbers. Nevertheless, this is a great get for Kansas State to get their starting one spot for next year. Rotating over to the Pac-12, we have Jaden Bradley of Alabama, who just transferred from Alabama to Arizona. Yet another five-star McDonald's All-American that is somewhat underperforming. Uh, This year, he averaged six points, three boards, three assists, so he was somewhat productive. That's a that's a little underperforming compared to the other five-star McDonald's All-American on his team, Brandon Miller, who's going to be the highest-drafted college player at the draft, most likely. So underperforming compared to him, but not everybody can be Brandon Miller, obviously. Um, Bradley was starting for part of the year, and then as the end of the year came, he saw his minutes wane a little bit, so he, saw, he, he knew it was time to go. Once Javon Quinterly came back, started getting his touches, his shots back, Jaden Bradley didn't have much of a role on the team anymore. And Quinterly could come back next year again, along with Sears, Estrada, Bediaco. Alabama is looking dangerous next year. We will also talk about them in a minute. Bradley said he went to Arizona because they recruited him the first time around, and he's familiar and fond of the fast-paced style of play that they run. This is an important addition for the Wildcats, with point guard Kirk Risa going to West Virginia, along with Jesse Edwards, and now Raekwon Battle. Nevertheless, we're going to have to keep an eye on the developing 
Brad, the developing Jaden Bradley and star center Umar Balo, who is coming back for next year. It seems that Pella Larson and Azulus Tobelis are going to be, in fact, gone, but they there's a small chance they could come back. That would be a special team, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. The man, the myth, the legend, the one we've all been waiting for. Hunter Dickinson, one of the most highly touted prospects in the transfer portal in its young popularity, committed to Kansas on May 4th. He's come out and said that NIL played a big part in that. His options were whittled down to Kansas, Kentucky, Villanova, Maryland, and we were hearing we were hearing some rumblings of Georgetown as well. Personally, I thought that he would go to Kentucky because of Calipari's history of honing the talent of big men and getting them into the NBA. He's got a long history with that, or at least giving them a chance at the NBA. Not even like Anthony Davis; he's a superstar in the NBA. But there have been a lot of a lot of Kentucky bigs that have just got drafted, just given a chance to be in the NBA. I thought that Hunter Dickinson could be that next guy, but no, he's gone to a different blue blood who's looking more and more promising for next year picking up nick timberlake best shooter in the transfer portal now hunter dickinson arterio morris five star with a lot of potential this move makes the jayhawks take a substantial jump in everyone's way too early rankings and we're gonna go over my way too early top 10 at the end of this episode and they are high no spoilers but they are high hunter dickinson's decision to go to kansas instead of kentucky could leave Kentucky high and dry with no Sheboy either, which would be a nightmare situation for Cal. We've seen time and time again, freshmen, a team of whole five-star freshmen don't get you very far. A team of experienced guards, experienced bigs. This is why the transfer portal is becoming so sought after, because coaching and guard play and experience wins you march. So Hunter Dickinson definitely has experience. Unbelievable stats. He transferred out of Michigan, now is going to Kansas. Great get for Bill self in the crew and Lawrence. Back to Hunter though, he has come out and admitted that NIL played a huge role in his recruitment, which makes sense. Obviously, he's he's a little under fire for that. I don't know if I would say under fire, but he's been criticized. But who would not want to be paid a lump sum of money to play the sport they love? Uh, on three has Hunter's official NIL evaluation at around two hundred eighty thousand. So do with that what you will. I don't think I don't think people need to be coming out and criticizing criticizing the guy for wanting to get paid. Nevertheless. This is an absolute amazing move for the Jayhawks, but that goes without saying. Our last bit of transfer news entails an interstate and interconference transfer of Matthew Cleveland, who transferred from Florida State to Miami. The six foot seven sophomore guard, guard slash forward, you could put him anywhere, six seven and averaging 14, seven and two. He's going to be joining the likes of Nigel Pack and Norchad O'Meara, who are both testing NBA draft waters, but will likely come back to school. That's, that's looking like another dangerous team right there could make another final four run with Larinaga at the helm and that concludes our massive transfer section all of the transfer moves that have been going on since we've been off it wasn't as much as the first episode because a lot of a lot of high a lot of highly touted transfers has already left and now the transfer port is slowing up a little bit we do have some extremely important transfers that are still in the portal one being grant nelson uh, junior, six foot eleven, with guard skills, who was making a lot of noise near the end of the year, uh, along with a pair of Tennessee teammates, Julian Phillips and Olivier Kumwa, wanting to get out of Rick Barnes' system at number three and four transfers available right now. I think I've heard it said that Olivier Kumwa is going to be going overseas and playing in a professional league. That seems like a pretty good option for him. He is from Finland, plays on the fin- the Finnish national team, 
and I've heard rumblings of him wanting to go play professional ball. Moving on from the transfers, we are now going to update our way-too-early top 10, which is much different from the last time I did it. Crazy what three weeks in the transfer portal can do. Anyway, at number one, I have the Duke Blue Devils still. Right before the recording of this, it was announced by Tipton Edits that Jeremy Roach will indeed come back for another year at Duke. This brings back an amazing scoring threat. With the return of him, Filipowski, Mitchell, and Tyrese Proctor, and a highly titled recruiting class, which Duke is almost guaranteed every year, the Blue Devils definitely stay on top, although I have a hard time putting Kansas at two. But Duke has some unfinished business, obviously. And at number two, I'd been wrestling with this for a while. Kansas, I have Kansas at number two. Without a doubt, they are here. Almost interchangeable with Duke at number one, I'd say. They could be number one, but the way Duke is looking right now, I gave the slight edge to I gave the slight edge to Duke. Kansas brought in Nick Timberlake, Hunter Dickinson, Arturio Morris, and their returning key contributors for last year. Man, they could be number one. They're absolutely stacked, but I'll give them number two today. Barring any more developments, I guess they'll stay at number two. They're almost interchangeable. They are right, right there, right together with Duke. At number three, I've got Michigan State. I discussed them in our last one, uh, our last way too early top ten. The return of Tyson Walker and Malik Hall headlined this promising team. Paired with one of the best coaches in college basketball history, this team is going to be promising next year. And they went to the Elite Eight this year. It's gonna be crazy what they can. It's gonna be crazy to see what they can do with some preseason expectations and good reason for those expectations next year. At number four, I'm going to go with Marquette. They are returning Tyler Kolick, the Big East Player of the Year, and almost a whole lineup of contributors with Shaka Smart at the home. With all the accomplishments of the team last year, we should expect even more this next year. At number five, I like Tennessee after a flurry of power transfer moves. After it looked like Rick Barnes didn't know the transfer portal existed. He was being a little quiet in the transfer portal, but he was just he was just waiting for the right time. They went and grabbed Chris Ledlam and Dalton Connect. Connect from Colorado State and Ledlam from Harvard. Both average 18 plus points a game. Ledlam's stats especially are very impressive. If my memory is correct, he had about 18 points, 8 rebounds, three, four assists, and a steal and a block. Both Ledlam and Connect look to be big-time contributors to a volunteer team. That is returning All-SEC, two-time All-SEC player, Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler once he gets healthy. At number six, I have none other than the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Some people might say this is a little high. Also, some people might say five, Tennessee for five is a little high. But Gonzaga, nevertheless, is another big winner of the transfer portal. They got Ryan Nimhard. They got got Steel Venters, they got Graham E.K. Those three headline what promises to be a good turnaround from Mark Few and a good segue from the Drew Timmy era and into the next era of whatever Gonzaga basketball will be. And I like them at six. Uh, just saying this for a second, the Drew Timmy era, except for the one year with the Jalen Suggs half quarter, had been kind of a disappointment of just losing in early rounds. They lost to Arkansas last year. They got ran over by the buzzsaw of UConn last year, that this year. And Arkansas lost to UConn in the round before that. That's crazy how that works. Anyway, moving on. At number seven, I've got Houston. I like their high-level transfers like LJ Cryer from Baylor and Damian Dunn from Temple, along with the returnees of Jamal Shedd and Jawan Roberts. They give this team potential for next year. They're hoping to redeem themselves after an Elite Eight exit where they were the number one seed, made it to where there were no number one seeds left in the Final Four. It's going to be interesting to see what Kelvin Sampson does with this team next year, even after losing key contributors 
contributors like Tremont Mark to the transfer portal, and their All-American Marcus Sasser to the draft. That's going to be the biggest loss. At number eight, I've got Arkansas. The portal king, Eric Musselman, went crazy in the portal. We know that already. They were Arkansas's transfer portal. Chronicles were chronicled in national college basketball media because of the flurry of guards they got in the span of a week. They've landed four guards, Keon Menefield, Tremont Mark, Caleb Battle, L. Ellis, and picked up a skilled forward in Jeremiah Davenport from Cincinnati. Davenport's more of a shooter at forward, and Arkansas's main problem was shooting last year, so Musselman went in the portal and got some scorers and some shooters, some playmakers, all guards. And with the return of Makai Mitchell announced the other day, Arkansas seems to be set at big. They're definitely much better at guard, but they have Trevin Brazil, Jalen Graham, Mikael Mitchell, and five-star Bayfall who can all make a difference down low. They also, Arkansas also has another top 30 freshman recruit, point guard Layden Blocker. I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to get with with this extremely guard-heavy team. I foresee not many minutes and him transferring out at the conclusion of this next year. Arkansas' status at 8 could go higher, most definitely, however, because of the Ron Holland situation. If It's seeming that if Ron is coming back to school instead of G League or another professional league, that he will be going to Arkansas. That would be a huge get for Eric Musselman, and Arkansas also has two people, two athletes testing the draft waters right now. Devo Davis, who had 25 points and a huge round of 32 win against, uh, against Kansas, that rocketed him up into draft contention, and he is testing the draft waters. And Jordan Walsh, an extremely athletic defender for Eric Musselman last year. He is testing the draft waters as well. He was a five-star McDonald's All-American. He was projected mid-first round, early first round, even at the beginning of the year, before he had a somewhat underwhelming season, and then picked it up at the end with his defense. He found his niche. So both of them are testing the draft waters. So Arkansas could go up even higher than that. At number nine here, I'll go another SEC school with Alabama. I did promise they'd move up in the top ten after they got Estrada, and they indeed did do that. I think that people are definitely underestimating what this Estrada kid is going to be able to do, along with the likely return of Mark Sears, Bediaco, Quinterly, and a great coach who actually punished a player for having a gun on campus this time with the Jaquan Walton situation. A transfer coming in from Wichita State, I believe, had a gun and weed in his car on Alabama's campus, and he was caught by the police. Can't remember if he was doing anything actually illegal other than possession, but he was a, he was immediately kicked off the team by Nate Oates. If you're not Brandon Miller, you're not safe from the law. And this Alabama team deserves to be in the top 10. And at 10, I was looking at way too early rankings and ESPN had UConn at 5. And I'm I'm just not extremely high on UConn. After all, their NBA talent left and their transfers left and I'm just not very I'm not I'm not high, I'm not that high on them. But I don't think I can leave them out of the top 10, so here they are. They're at number 10. They do have 3 top 85 freshmen in the ESPN 100 that head the team along with the return of Caravan and freshman Phenon Donovan. Klingon. If some of those guards can make a true impact, I like that team, but I just don't know about their depth. And Donovan Klingon is only going to, people were saying that he should go to the NBA draft. I, I like the move to come back and develop a little more. He only averaged about seven points, but he's he's going to tear it up next year. I don't know. I don't. I just don't know if they're going to be as good as people are saying they are. They're, they're going to have to prove me wrong, but at the moment, I'm not very high on them. And with that, the third episode is concluded. 
It's a little shorter one because not that much is happening in the transfer portal anymore compared to the commitment after commitment after commitment we were having earlier. Anyway, that that concludes the episode. And uh, I just want to say happy draft combine day and combine week. Today, the players are being measured for their true height, their wingspan, their shoe size, anything you could think of they're being measured for. And they will do more testing in the days to come. Athletic testing, that's coming on at 3. Currently, it's 238. I am going to watch that on the NBA app. Tomorrow night, the NBA Draft Lottery, or better known as the Victor Wimbanyama Sweepstakes, is taking place in Chicago at 8 p.m. At the end of the night tomorrow, a team will be gifted with a generational talent. Personally, I'm excited to see how this week plays out. I'm going to be watching everything, keeping up with it, getting up, getting back on here, getting up another episode about all the combine stuff, who's performing, who's underperforming. Take a look at the stock risers. Although the NBA draft combine is not like the NFL draft combine, I think of Anthony Richardson, who made an incredible jump because people just saw his scouts, saw his pure athleticism on display. There's not going to be a, there's not going to be somebody that comes into the NBA draft combine a little underrated and then becomes a top three pick. That just doesn't really happen in the NBA. And most of the, most of the high draft picks sit out of the scrimmages, the projected high draft picks, because they know that there is a very small chance that they could get hurt and their stock would drop, which means less money, which is not great if you're trying to make it in the NBA, obviously. But another way of looking at that is it gives, it gives those who are performers in college basketball, but not that high on the draft boards, a chance to perform. And it's just, it's just going to be like a college basketball all-star game with a few other, a few other international talents. So it might even be better. Although I am going to miss seeing, not miss, they're going to be playing in the NBA. I'm going to regret not seeing some of those top draft picks because obviously they are very exciting to watch, especially Wimbanyama, Brandon Miller. I like, to, I like to watch Grady Dick, Anthony Black, Nick Smith. But Combine Week, happy Combine Week. Draft lottery is tomorrow, and I'm excited. It's our first sniff of the college basketball world tangibly and seeing how this class is going to impact the NBA at the next level. Anyway, thank you for listening to the third episode, and I will be back on here sooner rather than later this time. Thank you. College Basketball Breakdown out.